are listening to New Life The Fort. We pray that this message encourages you and helps you stay Jesus-focused. Being a game changer. Now, how many of you in here like sports? Don't be shy. Basketball? Who, who among you are watching the NBA, the playoffs? Awesome. So you know what a game changer is, right? A game changer is someone who's sent into the game to change it. You know, maybe the team's down by like quite a few points. You know, they're losing. The game changer is the one that comes in and like has the hot hand that hits all the threes, that hits like a string of threes in a row and gets them up. Changes the game, you could say. So that's what a game changer is. And funnily enough, this term, game changer, is actually in the dictionary. It's a modern word. It's been there only since 1993, but this is what it means. It means a newly introduced element or factor that changes an existing situation or activity in a significant way. A newly introduced element or factor that changes an existing situation or activity in a significant way. Now, there has been lots of game changers throughout history, meaning people that, well, let me just say this. When God wants to bring change, if God wants to bring change to the earth, he always uses a man. He always uses a man or a woman. If he wants to bring a change, he brings it through his people. And so all throughout history, God has been bringing the changes that he wants to make to the earth through people. You've got Moses, you've got Gideon, you've got David, you've got all these guys, you know, Joshua, these guys that God used to bring change to their generation, the generation that they lived in. They were called by God, they were positioned by God so that he could bring change through them. You know, I believe that you have been called by God and I believe that you have been positioned by God because he wants to bring change through you. I believe that God wants to bring change to the Philippines. God wants to bring change for the Philippines. You know what that means? He's going to use you. He's going to use his church to bring the change that he wants to bring to this nation. He's going to bring it through you and I. So tell your neighbor, get ready. (laughs) Because if change is coming through you, that means change is first coming to you. Are you ready to see some change in your life? Amen. You know, Jesus, you know, I can't really talk about game changers without talking about the game changer. His name is Jesus Christ. You may have heard of him. Have you heard of him? You know, Galatians 4.4 says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. When the fullness of time had come, at just the right time, God sent Jesus. Now, how many of you know that Jesus changed the game forever? We were dead in our sin. We were severely defeated. We were getting blown out, if you, so to speak, in a basketball game. I mean, beyond repair. I mean, this takes a significant game changer to change our game. I mean, we were here. But Jesus stepped into the game for us. He stepped into the earth. He redeemed us, picked us up won the victory for us and put us up with him in the heavenly places. He changed the game forever through what he did at the cross. So Jesus is the ultimate game changer. And so how many of you know now Jesus lives in you? Now, if Jesus is the game changer and he lives in you, what does that make you? That makes you a game changer too, right? So I want to talk to you today about being a game changer and what that means. But if you're going to be a game changer, first you need to understand something. The first thing that you need to understand is that you have been changed. There was a divine exchange through what Christ did at the cross. And I want to just lay a foundation here because I can't go and talk about doing until I talk about being. I have to first talk about who you are. Because you'll never do what God's called you to do if you don't know who you are. You'll just be wandering around not knowing what you're doing. It's only when you know who you are that you'll do what God's called you to do. Does that make sense? So 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, this is a foundational scripture. You've probably heard it before. 
For he, that's God made him, that's Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So you have been made the righteousness of God. Now, I would love to take you through the whole Bible and explain many, many things because I love the Bible. But instead, I'm going to give you an illustration. Is that okay? I love illustrations. Many scriptures can be summarized in one illustration. Okay, so I need some volunteers. So (laughs) let's use ladies this time. Pretend that you're men because Adam and Jesus and God are. Grace, Ellen, Virgie. It's okay, you can be God. Virgie's like, I'm wearing a skirt. It's all right. You can be God. It's okay. Now, pretend, don't worry about the fact that they're women. Okay, God, stand over here. Virgie's going to be God. Okay, so you can be man. Mankind? Come over here, Ellen. You're Jesus. Good for you. Okay. So this is what happened. Before Christ came, okay, Christ is not yet in the picture yet. Before Christ came, the covenant that we were under was called the covenant of the law. Okay, now this covenant, the blessing of God was dependent on your performance. Okay, so if you were good, then God released the blessing. Okay, if you were not good, the blessing was withheld and the curse came upon. Okay, so the old covenant of law was all about you. It was all about what man can do. It was very self-focused covenant, all right? But what happened, so this is not a good system. Because <laughs> when we are self-focused, condemnation comes. Because how many of you know, if you're looking at yourself, you're never going to be able to measure up. You're never going to be able to do things right. You're always going to feel bad about yourself because at some point in time, you're going to fall short. You're going to miss the mark, right? So this was not a good system and it's not what God wanted so what he did was he sent his son at the right time to change the game Jesus came in came into humanity took your place fulfilled the law perfectly did everything every every dot and t squared it did everything right okay then took the punishment for your sin so what happened is Jesus became sin your sin my sin the sin of everyone in the entire world From Adam till the end of time, that sin was put on Jesus. Now, when that sin was put on Jesus, when God saw the sin, he withheld the blessing and he released his judgment. He released his wrath. With that came the curse. Along with the curse comes sickness, poverty, disease, all those bad things, you name it. Okay, so when he saw the sin, Jesus did not have to beg for it to come. It came. Curse is attracted to sin, okay? So it came. Jesus, when he had absorbed it, he had absorbed all of the punishment, all of the judgment, he said two words. This is what he said. Three words. It is finished. Wow, good job. (laughs) He said, it is finished. What is finished? All the punishment, all the judgment, all the wrath. It is finished. Jesus said, it's done. And then he gave up his spirit and he died. Okay, just like, come down. Okay, it's not as good as da- Daniel. Daniel was like sprawled out on the ground. <laughs> then he died. But how many of you know he came in as man's representative? Daniel, you're here. I should have had you up here. It's okay, you're doing a great job. <laughs> yeah, no condemnation. Now, how many of you know that? Okay, stay connected, okay? <laughs> When Jesus died, remember, he was our representative. So when he died, you died with him. You died with him. Now that means after three days, he rose again, right? When he rose again, you rose with him. Now he rose again, you rose with him. Now you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Completely righteous. Now what does that mean? That means your your life, you're in Christ. Your lives are connected. Your life is one. You cannot separate yourself from Christ. As righteous as Christ is, that's how righteous you are. He shares his righteousness with you. It's not a different kind of righteousness. There's only one righteousness. It's the righteousness of God, and that's the righteousness that he's given you. 
Now what happens? When God looks at you, guess what he sees? He sees Jesus. He sees the righteousness of God. He sees you absolutely clean, blameless, and pure. So guess what he releases now? Remember, there's no more judgment to give. It's finished. So what does he release now? He releases the blessing of God. Justification. The blessing of God. Along with that comes health. Along with that comes wholeness. Provision, prosperity, soundness of mind, like I was sharing earlier. So it's all just like, you know, the judgment was attracted to Jesus when he became sin. Blessing is now attracted to you as a righteousness of God. You are a blessing magnet. God is not out to punish you. It's all been exhausted on Jesus. He is out to bless you. Now, wherever you go, God is just wanting to shower blessings on you. He is just wanting to shower blessings on you. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 23, well, Psalm 22 talks about the suffering of Jesus at the cross. Psalm 23 says, surely, cigarado, cigarado. Wow. (laughs) That's pathetic. I can just say two words and you guys think it's awesome. Well, that's really great. (laughs) I should really learn a sentence and then (laughs) next time. What was I saying? Surely goodness and mercy will follow you some of the days of your life. All the days of your life. You are irreversibly blessed. Why? Because you are irreversibly righteous. Cannot be changed. Even if you sin, even if you miss the mark, you're still righteous doesn't change who you are. This is how God sees you. If that's the way God sees you, church, this is the way we need to see ourselves. You know, the Bible says, I think it's 1 Corinthians 15, awake to righteousness. Awake. What does that mean? Open your eyes. Open your eyes to see yourself the way that God sees you. Spotless, pure, qualified to receive every single day. When you wake up in the morning, remember, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Doesn't matter what happened last night. Doesn't matter what happened this morning. Doesn't matter how I feel. Doesn't matter how I see myself. That's how God sees you. So we better align ourselves to the way God feels, the way God thinks, the way God sees. Amen. Thanks, guys. Give them a round of applause. Romans 5.17 says, For if by one man's offence death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Now this says that by receiving this gift of righteousness, you will reign in life. Now, that seems pretty simple, right? But I don't know what, what you guys think. But for me, receiving a gift, it seems pretty simple. But sometimes we still don't understand as adults, I believe, when we grow up and we get kind of, we don't really understand how to receive a gift properly. You know, how many of you know in this, in our culture, if someone gives you a gift, then usually there's strings attached, it's either now you owe them a favor or maybe you have to, you know, nothing's ever free, right? I mean, what's a free gift? You, maybe you have to pay them back over time or even at Christmas time. Ha- have you ever had someone give you a gift? Be honest. You were not expecting this person to give you a gift. So when you received the gift, what did you think? Oh my gosh, I have to go and get them a gift. I have to pay them back for the gift that they gave me. Now I owe them a gift too. Have you ever felt like that? This mentality comes in when we become adults. How many dads in here? Only a couple. How many moms in here? Okay, let me ask you a question. When you give your... There's a lot more moms than dads. Where are the dads? We, we shall pray for them later. <laughs> if you have kids, how many of your kids have a hard time receiving the gifts that you give them? 
When you give your child a gift, does your, does your child think, oh, I need to save up now so I can pay mum and dad back? Do they start, after Christmas, they start putting their coins in their piggy bank because they know they've got to pay, pay mum and dad back for the Christmas gift? No. Do, does, do you think after you give your gift to that child that now they owe me a favour? Is that what we think as parents? If I give them a Christmas present, that means they owe me now? No, of course not. How does your, your, um, your kid receive the gift? When you give them a gift, they just go, ah! If it's Sammy, they say, for me? They take the gift, they enjoy the gift. No thought of paying you back. No thought of owing you a favour. No thought of buying you a gift. Right? They just receive it. That's how the gift of righteousness is to be received. That's why the Bible says in, in Luke 18, New Living, Luke 18, 17, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child, what is God saying? There's no strings attached. You've got to receive this gift of righteousness like a child. You believe that God is good enough to give that to you. Because he is. That's what he gave you through what he did on the cross, Jesus. He gave you this free gift of righteousness. And this revelation will cause you, if you receive it, to reign in every area of your life. Why? Because if you know that you're irreversibly righteous, the enemy can no longer put condemnation on you. Let me tell you something, church. Condemnation will hold you back from walking in the plans and purposes of God for your life. Condemnation comes as a result of being under the law, old covenant. Why? It comes because we become self-focused. We become worried about ourselves, then condemnation comes in, makes us feel bad, makes us feel ashamed, makes us feel like God's holding out on us, makes us feel guilty, and we just get lower and lower and lower, more and more defeated. But the Bible says you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God is not imputing your sin to you. You're not under law. You're under grace. That's a relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. There is now for, there is, therefore, there is now, right now, no condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus. Anyone in Christ Jesus? Then do not allow condemnation to, come, to, to stick to you. Do not receive condemnation. You know, the last few weeks, we've been singing this song. Um, my praise will ever be on your lips. I've got to get to the line that I want to share. <laughs> you have your bride free of all her guilt. Rid of all her shame and known by her true name. So this song is saying, Jesus, you will have your bride free of all her guilt and rid of all her shame. You know, the Bible says that Jesus is coming back for a glorious church. That means a church who knows who they are. That knows that they're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. They are dressed in white, spotless, walking towards him, smiling. If you're a groom and you're waiting for your bride and she is like, looks depressed, you should be worried. <laughs> if your bride is like so self-conscious, you know, that they're worried about themselves and they're, they're frowning, they're stressed out, I mean, that's a problem. That's what condemnation does. But Jesus said he's coming back for a bride that is not like that. He's coming back for a bride that has her head held up She's not looking at herself. She's looking at Jesus. Because as she sees Jesus, she sees who she is, spotless, pure, righteous, white, and she's heading towards him happy, free. You know, this is us. Free. God wants you to be free. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to hold your head up high knowing who you are. So this revelation, you know, God was just... It's so powerful. It's what will cause the power of God to flow into your life every day when you understand this, every day. <laughs> God told me this word during the week. He said, marinade. I was like, marinade? Okay. 
Do you guys know what marinade is? <clears throat> it's like we do this often because we cook at the house. We don't have helpers, so we have to cook. And, you know, we often cook chicken, so we get a Ziploc bag, and we put the chicken in there, and we put a bit of olive oil, then we put the marinade. Yeah? Anyone ever done that? <laughs> you should marinate your chicken. It tastes better. <laughs> then we, we zip it up, and we put it in the fridge, and we let it rest in the marinade. Now, the Lord was just telling me, you know what? Tell your people you need to marinate. <laughs> you need to rest in this. You need to rest in what I have done for them. You need to rest in this revelation of righteousness. The gospel, what Christ has done, is very, very powerful. I was reading those scriptures at the beginning. It is dynamite. You need to rest in it. You need to rest in who you are in Christ. The more you do that, the more it will change you. The more this revelation will change you. Just like when chicken rests in marinade, the longer it rests in that marinade, the more that chicken is, is changed. The flavor. It's the same with you. The more you marinate in the revelation that you are righteous, the more it will change you. And you will begin to walk out who you are. You will be, you will be a game changer wherever you go. Amen. <coughs> so number one, you know, if we're going to be a game changer, you've got to know who you are. You need to know who you are. And number two, <coughs> you need to know that you hear God's voice. How many of you in here are, you need to make a decision. Sorry, my coughing. <coughs> Got the flu. How many of you in here, you need to make a decision? Um, You need to make a decision. You're in a place where you need to make a decision. You need to hear from God. Raise your hand if you're in that place. Wow, so many people. Okay. Um, this word is strong on my heart, and, and so I'm going to share it because I believe it's, it's for today. Um, first of all, you need to know that you do hear the voice of God. You do hear the voice of God. And, and I want to show you from the Scripture... Um, from a guy called Samuel. Now, Samuel was a prophet. The Bible says that everything that Samuel said, none of, the words, none of his words fell to the ground, meaning everything Samuel said came to pass. That means he heard from God perfectly. 100% he heard from God. I mean, he heard perfectly because whatever he heard, he spoke and it came to pass. So I want to show you, the Lord actually... It's really crazy because the Lord actually shows us in the Bible how he teaches Samuel to hear from him. And I, I want to show you because it's very interesting. But what happens is when Samuel is a little boy, he's in the, in the tabernacle serving. Eli is the priest at the time. Samuel's a boy. He's serving along with Eli. Now, one night, this is, this is the first time God speaks to him, okay? And God begins to teach him how to hear his voice. Okay, so what happens is um, <coughs> they go to bed. Eli goes to bed in his room. Samuel goes to bed in his room. Now, in the middle of the night, God comes and he says, Samuel. And Samuel, like, Samuel thinks it's Eli. So he gets up. He's laying down. He hears Samuel. It's God. He doesn't know that. He hasn't heard God's voice before. He gets up and he runs to Eli. And he says, Eli, you called for me. Eli says, no, I didn't call for you. Go back and lay down. So he goes back and he lays down again. Then he hears, he's laying down, Samuel. So he, okay, he looks up again. It must be Eli calling me. So he runs over to Eli. He wakes up, Eli, you called for me. Eli said, no, I didn't call for you. Go back and lay down. This is the instruction of the prophet. Go back and lay down. He goes back again a third time. He lays down again. Samuel, Samuel. He goes back to Eli. Eli, did you call me? Now, at this point, Eli perceives that he, it is God who is calling him. God is the one calling him. And look at what Eli says. 1 Samuel 3, verse 9. 1 Samuel 3, verse 9. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down. Say, lie down. 
and it shall be, if he calls you, if God calls you, that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down, say lay down, in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak, for your servant hears. What is Samuel doing? He's laying down. Every time God's speaking to him, he's laying down. Eli says, go and lay down. He lays down. In this eight verses, this phrase, lie down, is mentioned seven times. What is God saying here? You need to hear from God? Lay down. Lay down. You know what this word means, lay down? It means rest. Relax. Now, I'm not saying if you're, you're at work, you're at work, you need to hear from God. God, I need to hear from you. Just like lay down in the office. You know, I've done that before, not in the office. I've done that in my place before. I just laid on the grass. God, I'm laying down. Speak for your servant hears. No, it's a, it's a position of the heart. How many of you know as adults, we get so, I need to hear from God. I need to hear from God. God, I need to hear from you. And we're so, there's so much noise coming in from all these different places. But God says today, if you need to hear from him, just lie down, rest, relax. It's a condition of the heart, not a physical one, okay? Rest. God will make sure that you hear him. God will make sure that you hear him. He says, my sheep hear my voice. John 10, verse 4. Actually, go to Psalm 23, verse 2. Psalm 23, verse 2. Look at this. Psalm 23, verse 2 says, He makes me to lie down. He makes me to rest. He makes me to relax. And then what happens? He leads me beside the still waters. You know, as you rest, as you relax in him, he will lead you. You know, if you need to hear from God, I say it again, lie down. From that place, he will lead you. Go to um, 1 Samuel 3.21. No, go to John 10.4, sorry. Sorry, guys. John 10.4. says, and he brings out, <coughs> John 10.4, his own sheep. He goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Say, I know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. You know, you belong to him. You're a sheep. Just turn to your neighbor and go, bah. <laughs> you know, I know about sheep because I live on a farm. You know, we used to have like 6,000 sheep. Praise God we don't have that many anymore because, <laughs> you know, we have to help them with the sheep. But... You know, it is so, this is so true. You know, every year when we have sheep, um, when it's lambing season, there's always orphan lambs. Usually every year there's at least one orphan lamb, meaning the mother probably died during um, giving birth or it was a bad mom and she ran away or something. But there's always usually at least one or two orphans. So last time I went home to Australia, there was an orphan lamb. And what happens with the orphan lambs is they get taken up to the house and my mom, my mom becomes the lamb's mom. She is the one who takes care of the lamb. So she, she feeds it from a bottle, like milk. And so she is the shepherd. Now, this one summer, me and my sisters were home, and we were sunbaking on the lawn. You guys are all cringing at me, like, oh, you're sunbaking. Yeah, we're sunbaking. We, we like the sun. We were trying to get dark, okay? And the lamb came along, and he was like, licking our ears, and he was being really so cute. And so we were like, we need to get a photo of this. So we started calling for my mom. We started calling my mom. But as soon, and the lamb was all on us, you know, but as soon as my mom walked out the door, she said, I'm here, I've got the camera. We're over here. The lamb's with us. As soon as she walked out the door and said, here, I've got the camera, guess what? The lamb pricked up its ears, heard her voice. She was still at the door, and he ran ran to my mom and stood by my mom. And then my mom's walking out, the lamb's following. And so my mom is trying to take a picture of us with the lamb, but the lamb will not leave her. 
He will not come to us anymore. He's staying with my mum because he knows the voice of the shepherd. He knows the voice of the one that takes care of him. You know, before Jesus came into your life, you know, before my mum came on the scene, that lamb was willing to listen to us, strangers. And, And you know what? Before we came to Christ, we listened to any voices out there. We allowed the world to tell us who we were. We listened to everyone. We believed whatever we heard because Jesus was not yet in our life. He was not yet on the scene. But let me tell you, as soon as Jesus stepped into your life and became your Lord and Savior, your shepherd, guess what? You don't follow the voice of strangers anymore. You know the shepherd's voice. Let me encourage you today. You know his voice. Just rest. He will lead you at the right time. When you need to know, you will know. You know, I want to speak this word over you. You know, who among you attended Jesus Festival? Awesome. So you should go to Jesus Festival Malaysia too. (laughs) Three hours long. All right, so after that, the Sunday after that, Pastor Rob Rufus, do you guys remember him? He preached here for the 9 a.m. service. 9 and 11. He spoke a word in the 9 that I want to speak over you because it's very interesting. He prophesied. And this is the word that he prophesied, all right? He said this. He said, let there be the activation and release of new levels of glory in this house. New levels of faith, new wisdom, new clarity in hearing the voice of the living God. I decree, he said, I decree the audible sound of the voice of the good shepherd in the hearts of every one of my brothers and sisters in this place. That there would be such a sensitivity that they would be standing in the shower or walking down the road at work or on a busy bus and hear the inward audible voice of God in their spirits. Not in their natural ears, but on the inside of their spirits. They would hear that wonderful living voice, that tender voice, that voice of grace, voice of faith, that voice in the glory. They will hear that chuckle of heavenly laughter. They will hear the heavenly humor, the embrace, the celebration, the sound of heaven, the Father putting his arms around them and knowing that voice, that tender voice that lifting voice, the voice that never rebukes, never condemns, but always encourages, always lifts, always releases favor, always brings answers, always brings solutions, always says to the storms, be still. The glory that silences the voice of the enemy, the voice of God that is louder, the full volume of the voice of the sound that is in the DNA, The sound of the blood of the Lamb. We declare amplification of the sound of the blood that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. The sound of the blood that speaks pardon, blessing, peace, prosperity, and authority. That anointing even now in Jesus' name. If you need to hear from God, then you receive that today. You know the thing that I love about the story about Samuel is when God is speaking to him, he's, he's a kid. He's still a boy. You know, young people, God speaks to you. God speaks to you. You can trust God to speak to you. You know, God speaks to your children if you're a parent. God, there's no boundaries with him. Amen. So number two, you need to know that you hear his voice. And lastly, number three, you need to know If you want to be a game changer, you've got to know that you carry influence. You have influence. Let me read to you the definition of influence. Influence means this, the power to change or affect someone or something. The power to change and affect something or someone or something. You know, when I think about that, the power to change, who is the power to change? I mean, on our own, we can't change anything. Jesus is the power to change. He is influence. So when I say you you carry influence because you carry him on the inside, or or better to say it might be he carries you. (laughs) He carries you. 
you know, Jesus, Jesus brought change everywhere he went. He brought change wherever he went. Matthew 4.17. New King James. When Jesus came to the earth, this is what he declared. Is it there? Matthew 4.17, New King James. From that time, he comes to the earth and he begins to preach and say, Repent. That means change your mind, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Is at hand, that means, in the original, it is here. It has arrived. It has come. He's saying, the kingdom of God, because I'm here, it has come. It is broken into the earth, and it's here. The kingdom of God basically means this, the rule and the reign of God. The rule and the reign. Remember, before in the garden, Adam gave, he had rule and reign with God back then. But he gave up that authority to Satan. And ever since, Satan had the, the authority in the earth. But when Jesus came back, he said, the kingdom of God is here. It's landed. Meaning the rule and the reign of God is about to begin. And, and it's been happening ever since the cross. We know that. But wherever Jesus went, he brought change. Now, what kind of change did he bring? Well, we know that he prayed this prayer, right? You probably know it. Um, goes like this. He told his disciples, this is how I pray. I say, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what kind of change did did uh, Jesus bring? When he went into a place that did not look like heaven, he brought heaven. As he walked about the earth, if he went into a place and people were sick, Like I said earlier, there's no sickness in heaven. So he brought the kingdom. He brought heaven to that place. People were healed. He went to a guy who was crazy in his mind. There's no one crazy in heaven, okay? So he brought soundness. He brought soundness of mind. This is is the kind of change that Jesus was bringing. Now when Jesus went to, to heaven, Jesus is still alive. How many of you know that? And he's still bringing change. But now he's not physically present. He sent his spirit to dwell in you and I so that now he brings that same change through you and me. The early church were doing exactly the same thing that Jesus did. They were walking into situations. If they, looked, they didn't look like heaven, God was bringing his change through them. You know, this is what happened. Paul and Silas were doing these crazy miracles everywhere. And... In Acts 17, verse 6, they're in this place called Thessalonica. And they were, they were making waves. God was bringing change to that place. He was bringing heaven into that place. And the religious leaders in that place didn't like it. It, it kind of rocked their system. And this is what, what happened was they went after Paul and Silas. And in verse 6, they go after Paul and Silas who were staying with a man called Jason. And it says when they didn't find them, so they went to Jason's house, but when they didn't find Paul and Silas there at the house of Jason, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. I love this verse. They say these people have turned the world upside down. This is the New King James. This is not the Message Bible, okay? It says they've turned the world upside down. Talk about change. That's like 180 degrees, right? But in reality, how many of you know that the gospel, in reality what was happening is through Paul and Silas, God was actually turning the world back right side up. Ever since Adam, the world had been upside down in disarray, chaos. When Jesus came, the kingdom came, the kingdom of heaven came He begins to demonstrate and starts to turn things back right side up. You know, do you have anything in your life today that's upside down? It's not as it should be. does not look like heaven. The gospel in your life is what will turn that right side up. Do your finances look like your finances do in heaven? 
Not yet. Do they need, does it, you need a, some turning? You need it to turn right side up? You know, whatever it is, some relationships maybe are a bit upside down. They need to be turned right side up. It's through the gospel. Paul and Silas were preaching the gospel everywhere they went, Jesus and what he has done. There's no other message, my friends. That's why when we come here every Sunday, we don't try to wow you with our performance. You know, God told me, Katie, when you go up on the stage, it's not about your performance. It's about my performance. The people that stand here, it's not about their performance. It's all about his performance. Whatever you do in your life, it's not about your performance. It's about him and his performance. So this is how God brings heaven to earth. He brings, that's the change that he wants to bring. You know, let me tell you something about the kingdom of God. This kingdom that you're a part of, it's a kingdom of influence. It's a kingdom of light. Now, let me ask you this. Can light, how do I say this? Can darkness influence light? Should not be able to, right? Light influences darkness. You know, when you know who you are, you will not be influenced by what's around you. When you know who you are, you will become an influence. When you know who you are, instead of coming into a place and you feeling influenced, when you know who you are, when you go into that place, you will become an influence. You know, the kingdom of God is not, it's advancing, it's increasing. Jesus said it's like leaven in the dough that goes through the whole dough. It's like a seed that becomes a huge tree. Daniel prophesied about the kingdom of God. He said it's like a mountain that goes up and fills the whole earth. This is the kingdom that you're a part of. It it cannot, it's an everlasting kingdom. It's ever increasing. It will eventually fill the whole earth. You know, David says this awesome prayer in Psalm 72. This is an awesome prayer. You need to know what's happening with the kingdom that you're in. This is the prayer of David. He says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who only, I love this, only does wondrous things. He only does wondrous things. He's wonderful, remember? He only does wonderful things. And blessed be his glorious name forever. Then he says, and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Double amen. Then he says, the, prayer of, the prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Meaning, this is the last prayer that he prays. This is like the pinnacle of prayers that he prays. He says, let the whole earth be filled with your glory. Can you imagine what that would be like? The tangible presence of God, the manifested presence of God filling the whole earth. You know how that happens? It happens through you and I. You know, church, this is where we're heading. The whole earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord like the waters cover the sea. Don't let anyone tell you that the world, you know, the church, the world, it's getting... Things are getting crazy. It's getting dark. You you know, things are not looking good. That's not what my Bible says. You know, the news may tell you that, but don't, this, let this be the only station that you listen to because this station speaks about victory. It speaks about the kingdom of God that you're a part of that is increasing in all the earth. Men and women of God who understand who they are, who know that they hear the voice of God, And they go out and God uses them to bring change to every place that they go. You know, something about this kingdom that is so awesome that you're in is the king of this kingdom, he's not like a dictator king that, you know, orders and bosses you around. He's not a king that expects you to do this and do that. He's not a king that takes advantage of you, who takes your money. How many of you know our King Jesus is not like that? 
the kingdom that you're a part of. This king called Jesus is a king who stoops down and he washes your feet. That's the king of the kingdom that you and I are part of. That our king would stoop down to wash our feet. This king you have relationship with, loving relationship with. It's a kingdom of love, the most powerful force on earth. Love never fails. Love remains. So let me encourage you. This is not the darkest time in history. This is the most exciting. This is the most exciting. Why? Because you're in the game. You're in the game. You know, I used to play sports, you know, so people would think that I like watching sports. I hate watching sport. Honestly, I never watch sport. I used to play professional basketball. I don't watch NBA. <laughs> I don't even watch basketball, basketball at all. That's kind of weird, right? But you want to know why I don't watch? Because I don't like watching. I don't want to just watch. I want to play. I want to be in the game. You know, you think it's exciting to watch? That's nothing. You think it's exciting to watch a game when, like, you know, they're one point down with a few seconds to go? That's nothing. Try being in the game. That's exciting. That's where life really happens. So you've got to understand the time that you're living in. This is not the darkest time. It's the most exciting time. Because God has called you off the bench and he's put you into the game. And he wants to bring change to the Philippines through you. You know, I believe that God is going to... This is a year of exaltation, right? I believe that God is going to exalt people, certain people in this place, and put you in places of influence... Because he wants to bring certain changes through you. Certain uh, realms, certain spheres, certain people will be exalted to places of influence so God can bring change. John 17, 18, I'll end with this. Jesus said, as you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. I believe that God is raising up a generation and it's this generation who know that they are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That it's not to do with my performance, it's to do with his performance. They know who they are. You know who you are. You know that you hear the voice of God. You're at rest in who you are. So let me pray for you. You know, as I pray about this, I specifically get on my heart young people. You know, so many people that God used in the Bible, when he called them, they were youth. I believe that God is calling youth in this place to be game changers in this generation. If you're a young person, if you're like a teen, is there any teenagers in here? This is the second row. <laughs> you're like, any teenagers? Awesome. You know, God has called you and he's positioning you. The game changer lives in you. Father, I thank you for men and women in this place who know that they are spotless, blameless, pure, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, who understand not just who they are but who is in them, whose they are. And as they go out into the world, they are not influenced by the things around them. They're not listening to the voices of the, the things around them. They're listening to your voice. Your voice that calls the greatness out of them. Your voice that speaks faith to them, that speaks life to them. That is the voice that they hear. And so I thank you as they go out into every man's world. They are the change that the world needs to see. I thank you for heaven's reality flowing through them into the places that they go. I thank you for miracles, signs and wonders done through their hands through the name of Jesus Christ. So I thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Did you get something today? Ready to go out there and allow Jesus to change the world through you? 
Well, you know what? Before we go, if there's anyone here who you are in a place where you need your game changed. You know, Jesus changes us. When he comes into your life, he changes everything. And if you're here today and you recognize that my life is in a shambles, you know, I I need Jesus. I'm defeated. I realize that I need Jesus. I need that change that I was talking about earlier. I need that. If you realize that today and you want Jesus to come into your life and change you with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give you an invitation. Is there anyone in here who knows that they need Jesus? They want him to come into, you want him to come into your life and change you. Just raise your hand quickly because I want to pray with you. I see your hand, sir. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hands at the back. Is there anyone else that today you want Jesus, the game changer, to come into your life? I see your hands on the side there. I see your hands. I see your hands, you guys. You guys can all put your hands down. You know, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. And as you invite the Lord Jesus to come, you know, he's been waiting. He has been pursuing. And he is so happy with this moment that he comes into your life and he changes you. He changes you on the inside. He makes you completely new. And he comes and he lives in you now forever. Your life is never the same. Change has to happen in us first. So if that's you, I'm going to lead you in this prayer. I know we've we've preached the word, what you believe about Jesus. I'm going to lead you to speak it out of your mouth. And so just pray this with me. And congregation, please pray along with them, okay? If you raise your hand, just say, Jesus, I believe you. I believe in what you did for me. That you became my sin. That you took it on the cross. You took the punishment that I deserved. You died for me. You rose for me. So that today I could receive the gift of righteousness. Your righteousness. So I invite you now, Jesus, to come into my life and change me. Today I make you my Lord and Saviour. Today everything changes. Thank you, Jesus, for this new life that I have in you starting today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, follow us on social media or visit our website at newlifebefore.com.